and stand with us this morning as we open in worship and sing about the worthiness of God. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do.
Amen, amen. Do you agree with that? That he is worthy. He is worthy indeed. Good morning, everybody. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors and just so happy that you guys are here with us. Happy pre-4th of July. How about the fireworks that just happened above us and the lightning strikes and the thunder and the rain and the wind? Wow, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool, pretty daunting. I hope that none of you had any major damage or anything like that. And by the way, I want to let you know we're the kind of church that wants to respond to needs. And so if any of that's happened perhaps to your home, please let us know so that we could possibly have some crews to maybe do a little bit of limb cutting or helping get some of that stuff bucked up and, and uh, help you guys out in that way. So just let us know. You can always talk to me at the end of a service in the foyer. So, hey, let me mention a couple things. Hopefully you got a bulletin. It looks kind of like this. And on the back of it, there is a save the date for the ladies. So mark your calendars August 5th uh, in the church foyer. Uh, just for some coffee time and details are going to be coming soon. Uh, by next week, we'll probably have some more details for that. But just wanted to let you know that. And as I was just kind of looking through scriptures this morning, you know what I thought? I thought, you know, when God gathers his people, he calls us to an attitude and a posture of worship. So I just wanted to kind of position that for a second as we led into that beautiful song that had so much truth. First of all, in Psalm 33, these verses say, Shout for joy in the Lord. You think of that like we shout sometimes for other things, you know, sporting events and stuff like that. But when God's people get together in the house together, it is an opportunity for us to really lift the roof off of a building and to be able to just genuinely shout to the Lord. Because of his righteousness, praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp and ten strings. We have a band behind us that helps us do that. Isn't that fantastic and wonderful? And sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all the work is done in faithfulness. And part of our worship gathering is being able to also hear God's word preached in a little bit. So I hope that your heart is also postured to be able to hear what God is going to say to you through his word that's going to be preached and that God would be hiding Pastor Steve behind the cross as we would hear the gospel presented. And then finally it says, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his steadfast love. The earth is full of his steadfast love. Sunset Hills, we want to be able to demonstrate that after we have our worship service, that you as a Christ follower, if you're in community here, one of our greatest joys is to be able to go right outside those doors and be missionaries to our culture, to be on mission, to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have within us, doing it with gentleness and with respect. Hey, let me just pray for a minute, and then do me a favor after I say amen. Would you just turn around and greet a couple people as you've entered into worship this morning? Father, thank you so much for everybody who's in this room and those who are viewing online. Lord, we thank you that you have called us into this place of, of worship, that at the first of our week, we're able to then lay uh, things aside for a period of time to be able to come to you as a collective group of God's people in this place to worship and adore you, to shout your name, to proclaim your truth, to hear of the wondrous deeds that you have done, and to then respond in applying that into our personal lives, our family lives, our corporate life as a church. May you just continue to use and uh, send Sunset Hills Church into the culture to be salt and to be light and to be missional living people to proclaim the gospel. And we love you and we thank you. And all of God's people this morning said, 
Amen. Hey, turn and say hello to a person or two around you.
woke up this morning and as I set my feet on the ground, I just said, Lord, thank you for another day that I can lift up your name and brag on you. So I hope this morning that you are entering this time of worship just with a sense of gratitude and realize what an amazing God that we serve. He's so gracious to us. I know he's been so gracious in my life and so generous. And the level of provision and protection over me just overwhelms me sometimes. And I can't help but just fall to my knees and just thank you, Lord, thank you, God, for going ahead of me and fighting this battle that I don't have to fight it myself and and making those crooked places straight this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you oh it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you this is how I fight my
I think if I were to try to come up with a word that just described our time of worship, I would just say, wow, right? Over the past several weeks, we've been looking at three words found in Scripture. We've looked at some very powerful phrases containing three words that have had a significant impact upon a believer's life. More so than that, uh, just an individual's, they have had an impact upon many millions of people's lives 
really since the beginning of time. I really didn't intend on having this long of a series over using three words, but I keep coming up with three words that I think are, are good, all right? And uh, so I've enjoyed preaching this series, and I hope that you have been able to take some things home with you and being able to use them during the week. But before I share the three words this morning, I, I want to give you some a little heads up about it, because uh, these three words, have, like unlike those that I've been using for most parts up until this time, these are not biblical words, not a biblical trilogy of words that you find in Scripture per se. And I thought as I was coming up with these three words that, uh, you know, what are three other three words combinations that we find in culture? And I thought, well, I'll just look it up on the Internet. And I found a place called brains.com, and they actually have labeled these three word combinations. They've said these are the hundred best three word phrases. And, and this is kind of their lead in as to how they describe that. Words are profoundly powerful, especially when chosen carefully. The simplicity of linking three words spoken at any given moment can evoke a multitude of emotions. And I agree with that. I think it's very true. And I think those three words that we have looked at up to this point have invoked a great deal of emotion and motivation for us to, in our relationship with the Lord. So I, I thought it'd be interesting that I would share with you what these hundred phrases are. I will tell you, though, that some of them I wholeheartedly endorse. Others, like, really? I'm not sure, but I thought it would be interesting just to see what they are. And, and so I'm going, to share, I'm going to share the ones I can share, okay? It starts out like this, I'll be there. I love you. I'm not sure many um, men hear this one. Maybe you're right. I, I trust you. Go for it. Got your back. How are you? I want you. Get lost, creep. Here's one I would not endorse under any circumstances. Let's get high. I respect you. Please forgive me. That's a good one. Now or never. I am pregnant. I guess that's a good thing in the right context. Not so much. Uh, in, in when it's not like it's supposed to be, as God says it is. Um, let's see where it was. Uh, get enough sleep. I didn't last night get enough sleep. So if I if you can't, if, if I start doing what I just did, you'll understand. We, we we got affected by the storm. We have no electricity at our house, and we have two grandsons with us, and it's like. So I didn't get enough sleep. That would be a good one for me this morning. I miss you. Here's another one I would not endorse at all. Let's get drunk. Nurture your best. Let's just dance. Let it go. That's a good one. Try something new. Keep it legal. I am sorry. I'm not sure that people say that enough. Thanks so much. Protect your health. Keep it fun. Don't drive drunk. I, I'm of the opinion, just don't drink, you know. That, that settles that. 
celebrate your victories. Let's be friends. This is music. Over and out. I like that one. That was an Andy Griffith episode with that one. Yeah, okay, on with it. Where are you? Wake your dreams. Life won't wait. Believe in yourself. Let it be. Hold my hand. I'm, only, I'm not even halfway through. Hold on. Who are you? Uh, this will pass. This will pass. Hang in there with me. Uh, speak the truth. You had time. Today's a gift. I'm kidding. Marry me now. Love endures delay. Forgive my sins. Where's my head? Only hope remains. No strings attached. Ramble on, man. Change is good. Learn from yesterday. Never look back. Ride or die. Passion, strength, fire. Life is life against all odds. Seize the day. God alone saves. Amen? I can't say that one. Live life daily. Thank you so. Imperfection is beauty. I can't say that one. Make it, a ha uh, make it happen. Family is for heaven. Always be yourself. Time heals everything. Forever, my friend. And this person, when they created the list, put this one in there twice. I don't know. I think they were trying to get something across. Get lost creep. That's the second time you heard it. Because I can, make mistake, mistakes make people death before dishonor. I don't know. I can't say that one. Um, you're kidding. Always be honest. Let's make babies. You, Lynn, you don't have to worry at all about me saying that. No more babies, please, right? Let's run away. Hey, Eric, you should have said that one a long time ago. Or quit saying that one, I guess. I should move on, right? I'm meddling now. Hearts can mend. Let's run away. Rain will fall. Don't be afraid. Laughter is best. Knowledge is power. Hope trumps all. Do not judge. Save every penny. Always remain neutral. Please help me. Safe and sound. The last ten. Here we go. Get, just get naked. Okay, that one shouldn't have been said. Uh, words can hurt. Do not lie. Shoot the moon. Be my hero. Touch my soul. Stay the course. Let's just kiss. Hugs heal all. And they finally round it out with love is everything. Aren't you glad I'm done? <laughs> no, I actually have one more I want to share with you. Because carrying out all these actions of these three-word combinations that have the ability to invoke strong emotions are not possible to accomplish without following through with the three words that I have for you this morning. Those three words that I'm about to tell you actually have an impact on all of those other 97 or so that I told you. You must do this before accomplishing the list of actions that I just read. What are the three words? I have decided. I have decided. Three powerful words that require action to accomplish in all of those other phrases that I told you about. I have decided is powerful. When one says, I have decided, it implies that a decision has been made. Maybe a, a choice has been made between at least two different options. Now, a choice can either be a good decision, as some of those phrases, those three-word combinations would have been, and others would be bad decisions, as those three-word combinations have said. There are consequences to decisions that are made. 
in the church setting, typically when we hear these three words, then when they've been used, three more words usually follow. You know what they are? You can say them probably. I have decided what? See, you're with me. You're good. I have decided to follow Jesus. And of course, that makes it a six-word combination. In our time, many more people seem to be choosing to drop those last words or not use them in the combination to follow. And that decision, a decision is made that have severe consequences for everyday life and for eternity. When you choose not to place those other three words, to follow Jesus makes a difference in one's life, a huge difference. On the other side of that, when you say, I have decided to follow Jesus, it makes a huge difference in your life and in your eternity. Quite often people make decisions without fully understanding what their decision to follow has committed them to. Such was the case for some of the people a few years back who decided to take a hike in the wilderness. They, that became uh, evident based on the comment cards that were handed in to them, uh, to the staff members of the Bridger Wilderness area. Okay, remember, they, they've been hiking in the wilderness. They come back and they fill out a card, and here were some of their responses. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Please play, pave the trails. Chair lifts need to be in some places so that we don't get to uh, we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. Here's another one. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can be reimbursed? Please call, and they left their number. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. Here's a good one. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. And finally, too many rocks in the mountains. They just didn't quite understand what the purpose was of committing, making a decision to go hiking in the woods. Instead, they seem to be looking for convenience and comfort. I'm just wondering if there are many people today who've made a decision to follow Jesus, not fully understanding what it means to follow him. Actually, I know the answer to my question. And sadly, it is yes. Jesus talked about what it would cost to become a follower or a disciple of his. If you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, we're going to look at some verses there. And as you well know, there are a lot of verses I use throughout the sermon. So you can go there and just keep up with the rest of them on the screens. All right. 
goes like this in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciples. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Wow. That's some pretty heavy language that Jesus is using. In order to follow Jesus, he ha you have to hate your family. You have to hate your own life. I believe in American culture of Christianity, we have been guilty of developing different levels of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I think we've sort of created this entry level that I'm a follower, however, don't expect me to be a disciple. It's as if uh, we've got follower as level number one and disciple is, is level two. And, and you know, I, I'm willing to come in on the front end, but, you know, I'm not sure I want to do much more than that. But while on this earth, Jesus was very carefully explaining what it meant to become a follower slash disciple. He's very clear about it. He never spoke in terms of different levels of followership or different kinds of categories. He drew, draws a line in the sand, and he makes it clear to everyone what a true follower looks like. He says, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, I want to break this down and give you about three things. There are many more, but I want to give you about three things of what a disciple of Jesus looks like. First is this. A true disciple of Jesus has no greater love for anyone or anything more than Jesus. Which that's what a true disciple is. No greater love. It says, uh, go back to verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to, to them, he said. Obviously, there are many people by this point that are very much interested in the message that Jesus has presented. And they start following him. They start traveling with him, meaning they, they, they heard him speak. They received the message, and they were intrigued by what he said that they decided that they would start following, be there, be a part of the crowd. Jesus seems to be establishing, however, a difference in the people who are following and what true discipleship looks like. Many people today are followers of Jesus, but they're unwilling to commit to becoming a disciple. I want to say that we in, in our church... We've decided that we want to take this discipleship much more seriously than what we have. And, 
and that's when we presented this past year in our budget to hire another staff person and a pastor of discipleship and evangelism. That's why Eric and his family are here, because we as a church want to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Well, that was kind of weak. That may... Well, I should move on. A lot of people want the ability to have the benefits of being a Christian without giving up their cultural conveniences. You see, I knew that this sermon would be one that probably would be hard to hear because we in the church were guilty of that. We want to hang on to those things that make us comfortable, those things that are convenient. In other words, Jesus, he's just a choice among a lot of other choices out there, a lot of other possibilities that people believe can bring happiness and value to their lives. They're really casual observers and not committed followers. In our class, in my life group this morning, uh, I'm not sure I'll get the statistics right, but it was very high in that people, it was shared that, that it's a, like 90%, I think, something like that, of people who say they know Christians. They're, they're, not, in, they're not believers. They're not in the Christian world. But they know someone, at least one person who is a Christian. And 90% of the people basically said, I don't see any difference in how a Christian lives their life and the way I do as a non-believer. Now, that's a scary thing. We have become just casual followers of Jesus Christ. Basically, take the approach, I'll follow as long as the price is not too high. Jesus says this in verse 26. If anyone comes to me, let me just stop there a moment and say that I love what he says here. He uses the word anyone. He's saying you don't have to be of a special group of religious elites. There's no pre-qualified level level of do-gooders that you have to attain in order to become a follower, a disciple. Anyone and everyone can become a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. He goes on to say, and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this is a lot of hyperbole here. Hate used by, the, by, used by Jewish 
people refer to a lesser love, what Jesus is really saying here is that our love for anyone, even most important relationships, must pale in comparison to our love for him. He goes on to say, even you have to love me more than you love your own life. John 20, 12, 25 says, the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If you want to be a true disciple, you must decide that you love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. Now that you know this, how do you decide? Remember, I have decided. How are you going to decide? Are you a disciple or not? Here's a second teaching from Jesus about deciding to be one of his disciples. A true disciple is willing to lay down his life. Anyone who come does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is an image that we're familiar with. The image of a convicted criminal under the weight of a cross carrying the very instrument of his own death. The cross was not some implement of irritation or inconvenience. It was an implement of death. And everyone knew that this person that was carrying this cross, they were basically saying goodbye to everything. There would be no turning back. Your sentence has been de determined. This image undoubtedly sent a shudder to those, a fear to those who were around, and even to those listeners as they must have heard this. If you want to be my disciple, guess what? You're choosing to set out on a trip where there's no return or no hope of retaining your own life. Now go back to that six-word phrase that we're so familiar with in Christian circles, I have decided to follow Jesus. We know it because there's a song about it, right? I have decided... You know the rest of it. It goes like this. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And it goes into no turning back. No turning back. And then the second verse goes like this. Though none go with me, I still will follow and it repeats and repeats again. No turning back. No turning back. And then Pulling from, from the scriptures, this writer says, My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it again. He emphasizes, My cross I'll carry. I'm willing to carry the cross until I see my Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And then it ends with this, The world before me, the cross before me, the world before me. I'm leaving it behind. It's the cross that I'm focused on. No turning back. No turning back. We sing these words, and they certainly have great meaning. But do we really understand just what they're calling us to do? Or we just sing them out of habit? because that's the choice of the song. These words, they're a radical call 
to suffer and die with Jesus. Now, I want to change how you may see these words. Because when you hear the true story that's behind the words, the next time you sing them might make a difference. More than a hundred years ago, as the story goes, northern India was in a, uh, a, a super, it was a very superstitious region. And following a great revival in Wales, West missionaries journey to uh, Assam area in the northeast uh, India to bring the gospel to the tribes of idol-worshipping headhunters. In one village, one of those fierce headhunters listened to a missionary, and his heart was grasped by the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only did he believe, but his wife and his two sons also became Christians. And as the redeemed man eagerly shared his newfound faith with other villagers, they too became believers. The changes among the people infuriated the village chief. Summoning all the villagers, the chief angrily addressed the first convert among the tribe and said this, Renounce your faith or be killed. And moved by the Holy Spirit, the man replied, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The incense chief next ordered his archers to kill the man's young sons, and then he harshly demanded, Will you deny your faith? You've lost both of your children. You will lose your wife too. The man solemnly spoke, Though no one joins me, I still will follow no turning back furious the chief then ordered the man's wife be killed and with min within minutes she joined her two sons in heaven the chief yelled i will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live there is there is no one for you in the world now facing death the story goes himself the man again gave his steadfast reply. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. And the chief motioned for his archers, and a man was killed. And as the chief looked at the dead bodies of the four Christians, a spiritual awe gripped his heart a supernatural power he wondered what was it that these four believers possessed and in a spontaneous confession of faith the chief astonished everyone by suddenly shouting out I too belong to Jesus Christ The villagers were moved, and soon the entire village accepted Christ. This one man and his family are inspiring depictions of decisiveness, and that ability to, to make a decision based on what the will of God is for his life. And he says, no turning back. 
that story began to spread through other villages, and eventually they put it to a song. And years later, it would come to America, being made famous by George Belfchet in the Billy Graham Crusades. So now, when you sing the song, I've decided to follow Jesus, it should have different emphasis than ever before. Here's the third condition. From Jesus about deciding to be one of his disciples. A true disciple counts the cost. Counts the cost of finishing what was started. Luke 14, 28 goes, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower, will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and it was not and was not able to finish. It's easy to start finishing takes effort. It seems much too easy to quit these days. I'm grateful for examples that I've had in my life of men and women who've been faithful to the end of their lives. I'm thinking of my dad, who is a great example of someone who just refused to give up. He had many challenges during his ministry, and when God laid it on his heart to start something, he was determined to finish it, no matter what, what it cost him. And he led our church during those years to do some incredible things, like creating a retirement home for elderly people that still stands today. We're starting a Christian school that so many boys and girls got saved through, some of which are still a part of our church today. There are like 3,000 people who came to know Christ during the 31 years he pastored our church. Unfortunately, many of those 3,000, they quit. There have been people within our church, many people, who have stayed the course during transitions and relocation when it would have been so easy just to run. You have remained faithful even though the cost was high. You know what they decided? The cost was worth it. Our church has many who are faithful, who daily say the cost is worth it. Just last night, two of our men, brand-new deacons, who are deacons because they've demonstrated their faithfulness. 
They were here checking out the property and the building just so that we could have worship this morning, making sure that everything was okay from the storms. We say that's a, that's a simple thing. Still, there's a cost to it. Left their families to come over here, make a difference to we could do what we do today. Jesus really asked us a question Am I in this for the long haul? Are you willing to follow me no matter what happens? Or what you're required to give up? There is only one way really to follow, truly follow Jesus to completion. James 1, 2 reminds us of this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith delivers, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's what Paul has to say about it in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners win, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who com- competes in the games to, goes into strict training. They, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. Or how about going on to what he says to Timothy? I have fought the good fight. I have what? Finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all of those who have longed for his appearance. And then in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, watch this, until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is committed to carrying you through. Are we committed to him? A true disciple will count the cost of completing what was started and decide to keep following no matter what even if it cost your life. You go on in Luke 14, 31, and he gives a couple of, some examples. 
Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider what is, whether he's able to, with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. These illustrations about counting the cost of building a house or going against this king, they're basically saying before you decide you're going to become a follower or disciple, you need to understand this is a serious endeavor. Count the cost. You know what the cost is? Total surrender. Total absorption of your kingdom into his. You surrender all that you are to accept all that he is. Those are his terms. Count the cost. Consider the outcome. But also consider the outcome of not surrendering. You lose everything if you try to keep it. You gain all that you think you gain in this life is worthless. You lose it. He ends up all of this and he says, in the same way any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. It's pretty strong. What? What do you say you have to give up? Everything. Pretty inclusive word. Everything means everything. Give up to say goodbye, to renounce. Deciding to follow Jesus, I have come to find out, is a daily choice. Sure, there is a first time when you give your heart to Jesus, but taking up your cross and following him is a decision to be made daily. Following Jesus is not just about hearing, receiving, and accepting Jesus. It is so much more. Following Jesus means that I decide to follow him in my marriage. Following Jesus means that I decide to follow him in my finances. Following Jesus means I decide to follow him in my relationships. Following Jesus uh, daily, uh, I, when I decide, is determined how I treat my friends. And as we have learned through this series, it's also how I treat my enemies. I decide daily to follow Jesus means that I decide in all that I am, in all that I do, to follow him. And in that walking with Jesus and talking with him, our lives are transformed. And we become a new creature, a new creation. It is worth it.
me sum it up by saying this. We're really going to become a follower of Jesus. We have to surrender our agenda. What we want in this life, what we want today, we have to surrender it to God's kingdom agenda. That means that we have to decide who or what we follow. You know, last week's three words were, He is risen. And what that meant to us. It just stands to reason to me that it makes sense to follow. He is risen with, I have decided. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Powerful words, Father. To make a decision to follow you, but it's so worth it. Life here is so much better when we're following Jesus. When we're doing life as he did it, as he showed us how to do it. It's so much better. And it's so much better in the life that's to come. Because we choose to follow Jesus, we have a destiny, we have an eternity, we have a hope that no matter how hard it gets in this life, it's always going to be better in the life that you promised us because we chose, we decided to follow Jesus by accepting him into our hearts and forgiving us of our sins and make him the Lord of our lives. Pray if there's someone here today that hasn't done that today would be the day that they say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And for those that have done that maybe years ago, may we renew our commitment to daily take up our cross and follow. And if we need to do business with you, Father, in this time of invitation, please don't let anything stop us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will fall. I'm just wondering, do these words make a difference now? When you 
heard a story about how a man was willing to watch his family be taken away from him. He himself was willing to give up his life. Why? How could he do such a thing? Because he knew. He knew of what was to come. So if we sing these words today, may we sing it with a renewed emphasis of what it is to know what's to come. Sing again. Sing again. By cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And I have decided to follow Jesus. Yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. May that be our prayer, Father. May that be our action. May that be what we leave this place with, with a determination to follow you, no matter what. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Amen. Thank you for a sobering reminder of the cost to be a disciple. So glad to see you guys this morning. Hope you're having a, a wonderful um, Independence Day weekend. A lot of you are getting an extra break there. So uh, a lot of activities going on within our church. Um, had a great um, fellowship time last week. If you missed that, um, we'll be having another one here coming up really, really soon. Uh, just reminds you too, if you're new here, um, we have a, um, a time coming up in July, later this month, that uh, we would love to just connect with you. And uh, so be thinking about that, be praying about that. If you'd like to plug in at a different level, um, it's right after church. And, um, and it's just a really great time. If you have been one of the families that's been able to sit through that to meet our pastors, uh, we just have a really quick lunch. And um, just want to encourage you to just be praying about what does that look like for your family? If that's something that you guys, it's called Sunset Connect. And uh, remind me, uh, if you don't mind, Eric, the date on that one, Sunset Connect. 23rd, 23rd of this month. So it's right after service, uh, really quick, and uh, we'd love to have you for that. So. so I was reminded that the flowers here in the altar are from the funeral service of um, um, Sarah Musara, Chandra Durham's grandmother. And just a quick thing I'll tell you, uh, we did our funeral services last Tuesday, and uh, one of the things that, that she said Every night she was waiting to meet the Lord in her last few days. And uh, I told you a story of how she was praising God by raising her hands. But when she'd go to bed, she would tell her goodbyes to all of her family. And then she said, um, and when she'd wake up the next morning and find out that the Lord hadn't taken her, she would say, 
I woke up. And then she'd say, it's a beautiful day. That's how we should live our lives every day. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for being here this morning. May God Stand bless with you. As we close in prayer, Lord, we're so grateful for Lord, a pastor that doesn't mince words and Lord preaches directly from your word, your love letter to us, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's one here that is leaving this building without saying yes to you, Lord, they have decided. They decided to say no. God, I just pray that you would make their night tonight restless, their night tomorrow restless. That, God, you would stir their heart to obedience, to make the right choice. Lord, there's dire consequences when we make the wrong choices. Lord, we're so grateful for the ability to have choices for free will. We love you. Thank you for the hope of eternity. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everyone. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.